So we're going we're gonna to read out of 1 Samuel chapter 22 in just a second. I'll give you a second to turn there. But we're starting a series called A Friend Of. And basically, we're just talking about the idea of being friendly. And tonight, if you want like a, a title for the message, I'm just talking about like being a friend of people. A friend of what? A friend of people. Being someone who's people-focused. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. It says, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and fathers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him. And he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. I'm just going to stop right there. So... It says that these people gathered around David. They were discontent. They were poor. They were broken. These were people that were like in some trouble. And it says they gathered around him. Now, I'm not going to get into this tonight, but these, these men ended up becoming David's mighty men. You can read that later on, just in a few chapters later, and also in the books of First and Second Chronicles about the things that David's mighty men, his mighty soldiers, ended up doing. These are these are lion wrestling, giant killing type men that that just did incredible things for God. They were they were men that one of them, several of these mighty men, they they could take on an entire army of a thousand people by themselves. I mean, th these were some of the strongest, strongest men in Israel's history, and they came under David. And I believe that, that God is looking... <laughs> every time, every time, every, when they make eye contact, it's just weird or something. I don't know. Like, I know, but he's just like so happy. And then it's just like, I, anyways, all right. It's because he's happy, and it just, like, catches me off guard or something. I don't know what it is. No, you're not supposed to be sad. I don't know. He's just, like, oh, I don't know what it is. It's, I think it's because now this is, like, a thing. You know what I'm saying? It's, like, first it was, like, the, <laughs> we're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. Okay. So, anyways, so David's, you know, David's mighty men. I believe that God is looking for, for people who could be mighty like this, looking for people that would do something great for God. Pe people that aren't just content with like, oh, I'm going to fill a nice little seat in, in my youth ministry and then just go home and play Fortnite for 40 hours. No, it's just like someone that wants to do something great for God. But more than that, I believe God is looking for people who will actually raise up mighty men and women for God. That God, yes, God wants us and desires to use us in great ways, but God actually desires that we be people raisers even more so than us do something great ourselves. For, for two reasons. Number one, it's because God cares about people and God wants to see people get saved. That David, he was the type of person that people could come to. It says people that were broken, people that were distressed, people that were poor, people that needed help went to him. And he was the type of person that could help them, was the type of person that could lead them. That God is, God is looking for people 
that would actually care about people's needs, care about the fact that people need to get saved, to be people that care about people. We're talking tonight about being a friend of people. David, for lack of better words, was a friend of people. There was something about David that people, the people could, like it was something about his, how he carried himself, something about how he talked, something about how he led, about his leadership. So, maybe they couldn't even put a finger on it, but there was something about him that said, I can go to this person and they're going to help me. They're going to take care of me. They're going to lead me. They're going to take me to another level. God is looking for people that will be this David type of a person to say, I'm going to be concerned and committed and passionate about reaching people. And these people, you know, that were discontent and in distress and in debt and in this terrible situation, they're really like a type of the world, the world around us. That, you know, I was in Subway just a couple weeks ago and eating lunch and I've been trying to, to make a habit of, of taking church cards. We're actually going to get youth cards for you here soon. Um, but taking church cards with me wherever I go. And how I like to tell people about Jesus is I'll just, I'll just like, hey, hey, here's our church card. Like We'd love to have you, but I just want you to know God loves you, that he's, he's got a great plan for your life, that, that God will heal you. And, you know, I could actually pray for you if you have anything that you would like to pray, you need prayer for. And one of the guys that was there in Subway, he, uh, you, can, you can keep that card. He, um, he said, oh, man, I, I need a lot of prayer. It was like, you know, it just like almost caught me off guard. And we're, we're going to address this later, just like the, the belief that we actually have something people want, you know. Like we're going to hit that in here in a couple months. But, but like, you know, people can have all sorts of facades and masks and stuff. But like... People need God. People need Jesus. People are broken. People are hurting. They're stuck in sin. You know, sin, sin gets people stuck. It, it's, it's fun for like a little while. And then after that, you, you begin to quickly realize that it ruins your life. But at the same point in time, they get stuck there. I've heard it said like this, that sin will, will take you farther than you wanted to go and keep you longer than you wanted to stay. That sin, it, it just... It binds people in such terrible messes. And so God is looking for people to say, I'm going to care about that. I'm going to love people. I'm going to go after people. I'm going to be a people-focused person that can take people that are broken and distressed and hurting and impoverished into these mighty men and women of God that have a purpose, that have a destiny, that are just like us right now, that are pursuing the things of God. So number one, is that the number one reason we've got to be like a people raiser and a people focused person is because God just wants to see people get saved. But then number two is because what God wants to do is bigger than any one of us. We've got to be people raisers because what the impact that, that God wants us to have on this earth is bigger than me, is bigger than Andrew, it's bigger than Ike. I'm laughing again, I don't know why. Uh, it's, it's bigger than any one of us individuals. You know, the, the Bible says in, in Romans chapter 8, if we can get that scripture, scripture up there, Romans chapter 8, verse 19, 
It says, for even the whole creation, all nature waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known, waits for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship. That, that God, the, in, the entire creation waits for us to take up our roles and to do something for, for God. That, that God wants to reveal you to the world, reveal you as his son. The Bible says in another place that God wants is look, his eyes are looking throughout the whole world, looking for those whose hearts are fully devoted to him so he can show himself strong on their behalf. That God wants to reveal you, to make you famous, like the Bible says about Jesus, to do something great. But, but it says the whole creation, all creation is eagerly waiting for us to be this type of a person. We can't, as individuals, reach the whole world. We can't be in every country in, as individuals. You know, you're in, in Bridgeport High School, for example. You can't be in Bridgeport, in Liberty, in Lincoln, in South Harris. You can't be in all those places at one time. All creation, everybody. It's, not, it's more than just about you and, and what you can do for God. It's that God needs an army of people, an army of people who will be, take the things of God seriously and go after God and to, to get people saved. You know, God, God has a plan for your life, yes, but I like to say it like this. God's plan for you is really God's plan for everybody else. Is that, is that not just what God wants to do for you and in you, but really what God wants to do through you. That, that, that's reaching people, raising other people up, getting people saved. The, the, the Bible says in another place, in Deuteronomy, I didn't give them the scripture, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 30, it, it kind of makes the reference. It says that one can put a thousand to flight and two ten thousand. One can put a thousand to flight and two ten thousand. That's exponential. You know, one person a thousand, but two ten thousand, that's exponential increase. So the more people that we raise up, the more people that get saved, and the more people that we disciple to become followers of Jesus, the more impact that, that we're going to have. The more we're going to actually, you know, I was thinking about it like this. It's just like one student can get their school saved, but, but, but two students can get like a county saved. You know, it's like God wants us to shake this region. To sh I believe that we're on like the cusp of an awakening, of a revival that like in history books, people are going to read about it and be like, man, the people of the students of Aspire Youth did, did some of the greatest things, saw, like did some of the greatest miracles. You know, it's like saw the most people ever get saved. The people of Aspire. I believe we're on the cusp of that, that we're going to see it. So then that means we've got to get all these freaking seats filled, that we've, we've got to take seriously the place, because it's more than just me and you. It's, it's going to take an army of people that, all, like, more than just these seats getting filled. So many people, the, the, the hallways lined full of people, that there's overflow rooms in the, up, in the upstairs auditorium, you know, full of people. That's how we can take the world. That's how we can take the region. That's how we can do it. So we've got to be people raisers. But if we're going to be people raisers, people that go after people, people that are people focused, then we first have to be people that can attract 
people. If we want to be someone that raises people, we have to be someone who is attractive. David was attractive. We've already said there was something particular about him. Maybe they didn't know what it was. And it doesn't say that, that, that they knew. It just they, doesn't even say how they found out about him. Just like when they found out about him, there was something about him that is like, I have to be close to this guy. And there's a certain breed of Christians, of Christian that just like pulls that out of you. You know, it's like pa- Pastor Luke was one of the first people like that for me. That there's just something about this guy that is different than other pastors. Evangelist Jonathan Shellsworth was, was another one. That, there, that is, it's like me and my wife, we, we literally went to like, I mean, like a revival every single weekend, driving like Pittsburgh, places past Pittsburgh, past Charleston, every single weekend to be wherever Evangelist Jonathan was preaching. Just like there is something about this guy that he, he's got something, I, 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 that he has got something that I don't have, right? An impartation of something. It's like there is something on the inside of him that I've got to be around, you know, pe- people like David Oyedepo, people like Todd White. I don't know if you know who Todd White is. I was, uh, I was at a, a like a, a camp meeting thing, and I was there for like other speakers and stuff. And just so happened to see that Todd White was like sitting in the front row. I think actually Autumn and and and, and Ruby and and Pastor Luke were sitting real close to him. I realized that he was sitting over there, and it's just like something shifted in me. It's like crap. I've got to meet him. I've got to be around him. This, this is a guy that's making impact. This is a guy, so we like took like a super cheesy, corny picture with him. You, you know how it is. But it's like, you know, just like there's, there's a certain breed of Christians that's like, I've got to be around him. And you can be that for your school. You can be that whenever you go to a grocery store. And it's like, well, well nobody, nobody knows about me. Listen, the anointing, and we're going to get into this in a minute, the anointing will make you famous. The anointing is synonymous to the appointing, an appointing, a, 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 a making known. That there's, there's a, a man of God in history that would walk into a, 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 a like a, a factory and all the machines would quit. Smith Wigglesworth would, would be on like a, a trolley train in San Francisco, I think, think is what it was. There was a, a kid having seizures. He jumped off the train, ran over to the kid having seizures, cast the demon out of him, and then went back on the train. Do you think everybody on the train was like, huh, that was weird? No, he grabbed everybody's attention. That it doesn't, you don't have to be like, you know, you going into a grocery store, you being at school, you don't have to be like Kanye West or something like for people, for you to actually make an impact on somebody. The Holy Spirit, I think Cameron made a reference to it, will give you a key to unlock people. That, that as soon as you get close to people and get around people is that people will begin to realize there's something about you. How you carry yourself, how you talk. That when you prayed, I had, I had a teacher tell me that we were at, um, like a, a see you at the poll one year and the teacher came up to me afterwards and was like, there was something different about how you prayed. I was like, yeah, it's called the Holy Spirit. Is, is that there can be, you can be that breed of a Christian that it, you're just like this major attractive force for God, that you attract people, that, that people would just like walk up to you and just like start telling you their problems. Just like, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just so full of anxiety and I'm just, 
I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I was actually contemplating suicide the other day. And it's like you're in the middle of a math test. And you're just like, what? You know, that, that is the, the, the type of Christian that you can be, that God wants you to be, that just forcefully attracting people to you to tell them, well, you know what? Jesus is alive. You live for him, he'll change your life. And so I want to spend the next few minutes tonight talking about how to be this attractive person. I'll call it like laws of attraction. I have five laws we're going to go through. I'm going to have a few that I'm going to spend more time on than others. But five laws of attraction to make us attractive, not of course, physically and being someone who like is, is pretty or something, but like an attractive force for the kingdom of God, someone who is attractive. But before I get into it, you know, I just, I just want to like make it known that it's like we're in this friend series, you know, and, and we're, we're talking about, you know, how we talk about different ways of, of being friendly and, and stuff. And as we get into these laws, I don't want it to seem like it is just like some fluffy thing that that is just like, you know, we just want to have nice friends who we can go to the movies with. No, it's like, I hope that I've done a good enough job to illustrate that it's like this freaking matters. Whether or not we're friendly, whether or not we can attract people to us matters a lot. And it matters for us as individuals because it's like if you don't like people, you're never going to get anybody saved. If you don't care about people, you are never going to make an impact in your school. And it's also true for us as youth ministry is that new people come almost every single week. Almost every single week. Actually, like every, every single week, there's someone new. But it's like if they don't feel like we care about them and we love them and we're nice and we're friendly, they're never going to come back. So being friendly and this uh, laws of attraction, it matters. It matters to get people saved. So I just wanted to like preface that just one last time before we get into it. So laws of attraction. Number one, the law of the spirit. How to be an attractive force for the kingdom of God. How to attract people. Number one, the first law, the law of the Spirit. We're going to shotgun like through a lot of scripture here, so you're going to have to keep up. Romans 8, verse 2. I'm not even going to open my Bible to these scriptures, so if you guys can get those on the screen fast. Romans 8, 2. It says, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit, it, what it gives life. Look at John 6, 44. John 6, 44. No one can come to me, this is Jesus talking, unless the Father who sent, sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. The law of the Spirit. The number one kind of overarching way, if you want to be someone who attracts people into the kingdom of God, you have to be someone of the Spirit. The, because it's the law of the Spirit that gives life. In other words, it's that you can say all the right things. You can do all the right things to like get people saved and be a friendly person and to whatever. But it's like if you're not a person of the Spirit, you won't have any life to give. You, it, you would just be a dry, empty shell of someone trying to make progress to get people saved, but someone who makes absolutely zero effect. We did an illustration just a few weeks ago with, with a, a, 
a nail and a, and, a, and a piece of wood and a hammer. And it's like without power, if you hit it super easy, you're never going to make any progress. That's the same idea. It's the spirit is what gives life. The spirit is what gives power to the things that we do. We have to be someone of the spirit. And it's like you can actually be someone who doesn't necessarily have it all together in one sense. It's like your personality is just kind of weird and off and whatever. But because you're someone who operates by the spirit, you actually be a force that attracts people. And this was John the Baptist. If you know anything about John the Baptist in the Bible, what's it, you know, he would, he would dressed in camel hair, lived in the desert and ate locusts dipped in honey. Like he was a freaking maniac. But yet people were lining up to him to get baptized. It was like by every sense of like personality, you know, teaching and just like how to be a good communicator and like wearing nice clothes. Just like he, none of that, none of that. But yet he was someone of the spirit. When you, be, when you are someone who flows in the spirit and listen, flowing in the spirit and being someone who's anointed, anointed, you could just think of it just like the Holy Spirit being poured on you, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've got to have that. But like then to flow in the Spirit is just a matter of like decision. It's a matter of you waking up and saying, I'm, I'm flowing in the Spirit today. I'm going to flow in the Spirit. I'm walking in step with the Spirit. It's a matter of you walking through the doors of your school and saying, I'm, I'm right now flowing in the Holy Spirit. It's because you are anointed. When you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you are anointed. The Bible says you have received an anointing from the Holy One. So whether you feel like it or not, you are. So in terms of you just flowing in it, you just got to activate it. You just got to be present of it and flow in it. So, you know, personality really doesn't have a whole lot to do with it in terms of you like being effective. It's all encompassed on the, the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is what gives life. But I do want to add that it's like, but it's like you can allow your personality quirks to actually inhibit the flow of the Holy Spirit. So it's like you can't, you know, personality doesn't really have anything to do with it. It's all the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But if you let your different personality quirks get in the way of the Holy Spirit flowing in your life, it is, it is still going to be just as ineffective. This is important for you to understand because, because all of like the introverted people right now are, are, are like crying in their seats. You know, they're like oh, attracting people and pulling people to myself and like talking to people and t- telling people about Jesus. It's just like, I'm shy. You know, that, that is you. Uh, that would be you allowing your personality quirk to hinder the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life because someone, you know, I'm shy are not words in the vocabulary of someone who's anointed by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, one of the functions is that he makes you bold. Look look with me at Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Acts 4, verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God, what? Boldly. You've got to take, if you're like an an introverted person, that's like fine, but take the words, I'm shy, out of your mouth. 
I'm not shy. I'm bold for Jesus. I am not going to inhibit the flow of the Holy Spirit in my life. When I have an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus, I, I tell them about Jesus. I speak up. I get people saved. I'm anointed. Change your confession from I'm shy to I'm anointed. I'm bold. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Then there's like another, there's like another type of introverted person that is more than just like, I'm shy and I like to stand in the corner or whatever. But they're like, I, I just don't like people. You, you know, it's like, well, that's fine, but I don't really like people. Well, you need to get saved, bro. <laughs> I think sometimes people say, oh, I don't really like people as a mask because they're really just insecure. Mic drop. And they don't want people to know that they actually care what people think about them. And so there's like, I just don't really like people. No, I bet you actually care a lot about what people think. You're probably just really insecure about it. But maybe there are some people that are just like, I don't really care about people. Well, you know, you can't be a Christian and like love God and not love people. First John 4, 8. First John 4, 8. It says, whoever does not love does not know God. So like, if you don't like people, you need to get saved. And we'll give you an opportunity in a little bit to get saved. <laughs> you've, got, you've got to love people. If you, we're talking about attracting people. We've got to love people. We gotta care about people. Number one, the law of the spirit. Number two, the law of friendship. This would be a quick one. The law of friendship. Proverbs 18, verse 24. I don't know what screen to look at. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. In other words, if you want friends, you gotta be friendly. If you want to attract people to you, you have to be friendly. This is very similar to what we were just saying to like the introverted people in the room. It's just like if you, if you want God to use you, you have to stop standing in the corner and hiding. You have to be friendly. It's like people will come to youth. I hear it from my parents all the time, literally all the time. It's just like my student, they're, you know, they're just shy and they just, you know, like they, they don't have any friends and they feel like they don't have any friends. And it's like those are the exact same students that don't talk to anybody. It's like, you know, we're, you have to be friendly if you want to have friends, you, you know. It's like, well, people need to be kind to me. You need to be kind to them. Don't put it on other people. Take it up on yourself, you know. Don't be a victim. That is so typical of, of Gen Z. It's just like, I want to blame everybody else for my problems. No, I'm not. I, I, I have authority. I have boldness. I, I, you know, I can be friendly. I don't care whether or not people are like me. And I, I do not care whether or not people are like me. <laughs> but it's just like, if you want to have friends and be someone that can attract people, you have to go out of your way to be friendly. And God wants to use you. God wants to use you. So be friendly. Be friendly and you will attract people. Number two, the law of friendship. Number three, the law of gossip. We're going to read two scriptures here. Proverbs 16, 28, and then we'll talk about them. A perverse person stirs up conflict. A gossip separates close friends. Then Ephesians 4, 29 do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You know, we, we all know that like gossip, it just, it, 
it just like it destroys people. You know, it says that gossip separates close friends. So it's like we're trying to attract people. That's what we're talking about tonight. Being a people person, being someone that can attract people into the kingdom of God. That's closeness, you know. But so if we like then talk about people that it says that gossip separates close friends, that, that is repelling people. Gossip doesn't attract people. Gossip repels people. The, the thing about gossip, though, is that nobody ever thinks they're the one gossiping. <laughs> Being, you know, they never think that they're the one. I, I, I've had, like, people, you know, like, mature Christian believers, like, come up to me and say it like this before. They're like, well, I'm, I'm just telling you this because, like, you can handle it. But it's like such and such and such about the church and such and such about this. It's just like, la, 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 you know. It's like out of, out of respect for this person that was older than me, I didn't like rebuke them, though that would have been really, really fun. I just like stopped, I just, I just stopped talking to them. I just stopped talking to them. Like I'm not going to talk to you if you're going to like talk about other people in the church. You just like disguise it as like some hyper spiritual like, well, you know, it's just like they, you know, they, did you see how they were like, who? you're gossiping. You know, that is, that is gossip. Nobody ever thinks that they are the ones gossiping. So it's like we have to become like hypersensitive, hyper aware, and hyper like care about the things that we're saying. You know, it's just like, is this really going to be something that builds someone up? You know, as the Ephesians 4 scripture said, is this really something that this person would be glad to hear me say to their face? Is this really something to think very carefully? Because because gossip will, will separate. And, you know, like, I, I want to add this to it, too. It's just like one particular area of gossip that just, like, goes through me in particular is especially when it's about, like, new believers. You know, it's like we had a student a few years back that they, like, they came from a family that wasn't saved and, you know, like they were still a little rough around the edges in, in some different ways. And they, I'm trying to be very careful with what I say so I don't use like pronouns and stuff. They like even aggravated some different people and things. And, and just like there were like mature Christians that would just like talk so bad about this person. And it just like would irk me because it's like, you know, they, they are saved. Like this person was, was not in a home that was Christian, but they made it a point to come to church themselves, to come to youth themselves. They like would drive themselves to youth and to church. And then it's like the mature Christians are just get so caught up on like the fact that they're an immature believer and they're still growing. It's just like, have it's like that number one, that's gossip. You are talking bad about someone in general. But on top of that, they're a new believer. Like you are literally undoing what we are trying to do, which is to get people saved and then to disciple them. So it's like if they were to find out how you are talking about them, they would not want to be in the church anymore. You know, it's like we have to have mercy. Even like like parents, just like it blows my mind the, the mature Christian parents that are like, well. I don't want my son or daughter to date that to date that person because they are from a divorced household. 
What does it have to do with anything? Like that to, what their parents did has nothing to do with him as, as a person. You know, we've got to have compassion, especially for new believers. I, I just felt to like add that little tidbit in there. The law of gossip. Number four, the law of proximity. The law of proximity. Matthew 11, verse 19. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. That's Jesus. And they say he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. So you've probably heard the phrase before, Jesus, friend of sinners. Jesus, friend of sinners. Well, it was actually given in, in the slight of, of a, an insult. that They called, the Pharisees called Jesus, friend of sinners, as, as mockery. As in, he's just friend of sinners. But that just goes to show the level of closeness that Jesus had with people that didn't know God. Now, we, we've got to be careful here because, because there's a difference between being a friend of sinners and being friendly with sinners. Because there are people in, in the church and in denominations that have be, begun to like exchange and compromise Scripture just so that they could like be friends with people. That is not what we're talking about. It's just like we're not talking about hanging out and just being buddy-buddy with people that are just like getting wasted drunk or whatever. No, it's, but we have to be close enough to people. This, this point is the law of proximity. Close enough to people to actually make a difference in their life. You know, a magnet, we're talking about the law of attraction. A magnet does not just attract things to it. A ma- it you know, it doesn't just attract things to it. A magnet has to be close to something at a certain point when it, before it will start to attract it. It's the same way with us and people. It's, it's like you have to be close to people. You have to be in their lives and in their mess to a certain degree if you want to attract them to the gospel. But yet a challenge that so many believers have is that it's like, well, you know, this student, whenever they came to youth, they just like scared me, so I stayed away from them. It's like you... You, you know, you, ha- you have to be willing to get close to people and in their mess to be able to attract them to Jesus. Jesus, he, uh, you know, in, in the story of Zacchaeus, if you know the, if you like went to church as like a kid, you know, the, the song of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Yeah, okay. So it's just like the story of Zacchaeus is a great like example you know, Zacchaeus is this sinner, basically. Everybody hated him. He's this short little guy, so he has to climb up in a tree to, like, see Jesus. Jesus goes up to him and says, hey, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to hang out with you. I'm going to care about you. I'm going to get close to you and tell you about Jesus. We have to be willing to get close to people and to care about people in order to attract them. The law of, of proximity. Number five is the law of intentionality. This is the last one. The law of intentionality. Proverbs 21, verse 5. The plans, the worship team, yeah. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. But those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. The plans of the diligent lead to plenty. The diligent, 
one of the meanings of this word is that it's intentionality, it's discipline, it's follow through. It's, it's being intentional about what you were pursuing. And so if we're talking about attracting people, you know, and there's a, a, you, there's a lot more laws than this, but these were just things that you know, I, I felt to share tonight, is that if we're going to be focused on like attracting people and, and getting people saved, it's like we have to do it intentionally. You have, you have to be diligent about it. It has to be something that you pursue. You will attract what you intentionally pursue. You will attract what you intentionally pursue. If you intentionally go after people, go after the lost, go after saving your school, go after getting people saved when you walk into Kroger, if you intentionally and diligently go after it, you will see people get saved. You will attract people. You will raise up people. You will be a David mighty man producer. But you have to do it intentionally. If, if you don't do it on purpose, it is never going to happen. You can't wait for it to happen accidentally, for people to come to you. No, you have to attract people. You have to pursue them intentionally. And so I, I wanted to, to give you guys some goals. These were some things that I, I prayed about for us as a youth ministry that I want us to pursue. But this, this isn't just like an arbitrary like youth ministry goal. This has to be like something that you yourself become an owner of because it is only going to happen as a youth ministry as much as what it happens individually. You know what I'm saying? That is like if one person latches onto these goals and goes after these things with intentionality, then we will only see the impact as a youth ministry as one person. So it's like if, if we want to see these things actually happen, it, as a youth ministry, it's going to take all of us actually making them happen. And I, I structured these goals in this way. So these are some goals for us for, for, for the end of the year. So I, I would like us to, to have a goal of having 100 students in one service by the end of the year. 100 students in one service by the end of the year. That's the first goal. You can write that down. We're going to take some, a few minutes and pray over these tonight. 100 students in one service by the end of the year. I think I counted 62 or 63 students here tonight. So it's almost double. But the Bible says God can do immeasurably more than what we can ask or imagine. This is like really... I'm betting like we see like 300 or something, you know, because God is just that sort of a God. But if we're going to see 100 students in one service, what does that mean? We pursue it diligently. We pursue it intentionally. It's just like we are in, we've got to be inviting students to youth. So one of my to-do lists that I created in developing these goals was to get youth invite cards. So we're going to tell the team this, uh, which they found out about now. But... Um, we're, we're going to make these cards and have something so that you can approach people like at school or whatever and be like, hey, you should come to youth. You should come to Aspire. God is doing something great there. So 100 students by the end of the year. The second goal is, is it, it's, it's for you more than 
let me say it like this. So it's the students lead 70 people to the Lord. So it's like not, we see 70 students get saved in here. That's not what I mean. I mean that you lead 70 students to the Lord. That you, not like you as the students lead 70 students, 70 people to the Lord. Make, does that make sense? Not, not at the altar, you do it out there. 70 students to the Lord. So there's almost 70 people here tonight. So that is like basically if one person leads everyone to the Lord, then we'll have reached this goal by the end of the year. So it's like, you can make that your focus. Instead of saying, oh, I gotta win 70 people to the Lord. You say, I'm leading one person to the Lord by the end of the year. So it's like, well, I don't know how to do that. Figure it out, figure it out. Come ask me, come talk to me. My office is open. You can ask me for my phone number. We can talk about it. We're, we're gonna go soul winning. We're gonna help you do this. We're gonna have an outreach later in the year. You know, we're gonna help push this, but you go after the one soul. You go after the one soul. 70, st the students lead 70 people to the Lord. The third one, last goal, and then we're gonna pray for, for just a few minutes, is 20 water baptisms by the end of the year. 20 water baptisms. So this, this comes into play of being a people raiser, a people attractor, someone that is building people up. Because it's more than just, I'm gonna talk to you and get you saved. It's I'm gonna help you take your next step in your walk with Jesus. And that's water baptism. And so as you talk to people about Jesus and, and see people get saved, you can say, hey, come to church we have water baptisms on the last Sunday of every single month. Come, come to church and get water baptized. Come get water baptized. Let that be something that comes out of your mouth as well.